It's awards time here on Locked On Boston College. We're going to hand out some awards for the 2021 Boston College football season. I'll be joined today by Mitch Wolf as we hand out some awards to the Eagles. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black, happy Tuesday, everyone. This is our daily Boston College podcast. We do this five days a week. Hope you all have had a nice new year. And if you if you have hit subscribe in the last couple of days, I want to say thank you for making us part of your first listen every morning. With me, I have Mitch. Mitch has been our uh, go-to guy every uh, Monday for the podcast, but because we had basketball yesterday, kind of pushed him off till Tuesday. Mitch, how's it going? It's good. I'm not mad about it or anything, but you know, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, yeah, most people probably would have rather talked about football for five for 30 minutes, but you know, I, I owe it to the basketball fans out there to talk about it. So yeah, yeah, you know, that is what it is, but yeah, happy to be on. So we haven't spoken um, too much since the bowl got canceled. We talked about that, uh, but we're kind of in like a dead period now. I know Halfley let most of his staff go on break. I know Jason Baum had just tweeted he was on break. Not a lot going on in terms of recruiting, transfer portal. I think it's pretty quiet right now. But we're going to talk about the 2021 season. We're going to hand out some awards. And these are our, our big awards. I mean, there's the Heisman and then there's the Locked On BC Podcast Awards. We're like kind of like tier two right below that. Um, <coughs> and so, excuse me, we're going to start off by talking some about some of these today with Mitch. And we'll see how it goes. These are our first ones we've ever done together. We're going to kind of give our awards and each of us will give one. Uh, you get an AJ award, you get a Mitch award, and we'll go from there. So let's start with the most surprising player on the team. This is the player that surprised everyone. Mitch, who's your most surprising player? Uh, I'm I'm hoping that we're not going to have too many repeats. And I this one I came up with, and I, I, f- I have a feeling I'm going to steal it from you. But for me, it's Pat Garwood the third, um, and that was a guy that we both expected to be kind of the the third guy in the rotation, maybe have him as a short yardage goal line back, given that he's was bigger than the other two backs, but you know, he really seized the lead running back role in the Missouri game where he had a big breakout performance against a quality opponent. Uh, you know, granted they didn't have a great run defense, but it's an SEC team. Um, and then he was really there bell cow back for the majority of the season. You know, he got over a thousand yards, which was awesome. Um, and really kind of kept this BC offense, you know, not from being completely lost, uh, you know, and that they had a solid run game with him toting the rock. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you here because I have to. I think by yeah, really I, I knew to, that. Yeah, <laughs> I have to pick Pat Garwo because, as I said before, if you go back and I'm sure the Garwos have it uh, bookmarked uh, back in July or August when I put him down as like the fourth string running back and he ended up being the starter. Uh, yeah, he surprised me, and I love being wrong. I I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong. I'm not that type of host that uh, sits on. Um, you know, it twists it into something else. I was dead wrong about Pat Carwo and he had a great season, um, especially once Dracovic went down, you know, he was the, the focus of that offense. He was what got the offense moving at all when it was really struggling. So credit to him when they have Dracovic back next year, you know, there's a good possibility he could have an even better season because if they're focused so much on trying to stop the, the pass attack, you know, he'll find bigger running lanes uh, than he saw this year. So uh, Pat Garwo is my most surprising player. And I promise you guys, you know, if we, if we agree, I, I I'm not going to just pick something different to BS you all, but I, I think me and Mitch will have some very different players coming up. 
All right, your top freshman of the year, Mitch. Ooh, okay. So I had, I'll say my top freshman, then I'll kind of cheat a little bit. So my top freshman was uh, CJ Burton. Uh, that kind of, you know, makes sense. He was the jewel of the recruiting class, you know, a four-star recruit that they flipped from Florida. And, you know, it took him a little while to get some playing time as some injuries kind of hit the secondary. But I thought once he came in, I thought he played very well for a freshman. You know, he gave up a few touchdowns, I think, in the Florida State game and the Wake Forest game when everybody was sick and they were kind of down some guys. But I thought he acquitted himself very well. You know, they played him in the slot once Josh Bear went down. He was good there. You know, that could be a future for him, given that he's he's, you know, average in terms of height, but he's a little below average in terms of weight right now. Obviously, he's a freshman, so he's got time. But yeah, I mean, I was really impressed by what he did in terms of his, you know, pass coverage technique. That's something that, you know, is a bit of a learning curve for freshman defensive backs. Uh, so I was very impressed by him and he was my freshman year in terms of my newcomer of the year, I would give it to another secondary member in Jaden Woodbay, who once again, once the season kind of got going and he was entrenched as the starting strong safety, uh, he started to make a lot of big plays. You know, you think about the uh, interception against Georgia tech, that's was kind of the highlight of his season. Uh, but he was a awesome presence on the back end. And I'm really excited to see where he goes in 2022. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll cut the uh, newcomer, and give you the same one because Jaden would be was easily the, the, I think that was unanimous, but we're going to go, we're going to disagree here. Cause I have a different freshman of the year and I'm going to go with the kicker, Connor light. That's what, that's what I thought you were going to do <laughs> uh, because I thought losing Aaron Bomeri, uh when that news came out and can came completely out of the blue. Cause Halfley Halfley has a vault of all his injury knowledge that he does not let anyone know about. And when, when we got to that Colgate game and they said boom, boom was out. I was like, Oh God, no offense to Danny Longman. I know he has a great TikTok channel, but I did not want to, I was really worried Boston college was going to have to go through the season with him kicking. And I know he struggles with that, that he's a, he's a good, or he's a serviceable, you know, place uh, kickoff, kickoff specialist, specialist. Mm-hmm. but I didn't know what they're going to do with that. Connor Lighton had an excellent season as a kicker. He was reliable. He had good range. I mean, he hit what a 47 yarder against, uh, against Missouri and right before mm-hmm. halftime. Um, and he, you know, just like what you said with, with Burton, where you feel good about him going into next year, you got to feel good that you got three more years of Connor Lighton behind you, a kicker that can actually kick consistently. Um, and, and, and to the point where Boomeri is now transferring because they're like, yep, Lighton's our dude. We're going to go with him. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, most BC fans, you know, the time when the kicking position was arguably the biggest flaw in this team is not that far in the past where, you know, it was a major liability uh, under Steve Adazio. And now to have, you know, a boom was very solid the last few years, you know, he didn't have the biggest leg, but, you know, anything under 45, you felt pretty confident about. And that's really where you want your college kickers to be like, as long as they're not making massive misses. And I don't think really Lighten really had that. Uh, I can remember one miss against NC State. Um, I'm trying to find that was his I think first his half only, of that. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that was and it was a 30 to 39 yarder. So that's not great. But that was his only miss the whole year, including extra points. So, you know, that's an awesome season for a true freshman. And like you said, you know, very feeling very confident about him moving forward. Now, Mitch and I, we're going to get into some more college uh, Boston College football awards in just a moment. But hey, Eagles fans, this is AJ with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just use the app 
for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 25 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's your 50 cents a gallon on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents of cash on your first tank. That's uh, code SCORE for that deal. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black. I'm the editor and publisher of BC Bulletin. And with me, I have Mitch Wolf, who's my writer for BC Bulletin. Mitch, how are you feeling about your Steelers right now before we get into uh, the uh, Boston College Awards again? I mean, right now, they're pretty much effectively eliminated from the playoffs. Like the, the big thing they need, aside from winning their last two games, which is not a guarantee, they need the Jaguars to beat the Colts next week. So <laughs> that should really tell you the state of where they are. So, and honestly, I'm okay with that. You know, this team should does not deserve to go to the playoffs. Um, and now it's kind of nice that, you know, I think they can kind of just have Ben have his roses in his final two games. Um, it sucks that this ends this way for him, but I mean, this team was not good. Ben was is on his last legs, quite literally. So, you know, it's kind of good that they can just start thinking about how they're going to move this franchise forward. All right. So this is this is locked on Steelers here. This is locked on Boston College. So I just wanted to know Mitch's Mitch's take on that. Um, now we're we're talking about BC. We gave a couple of awards to start this off, and before we get to the MVPs. Before we get into the big names of the, of the year, I want to ask you, Mitch, who, uh, what was your play of the year? I was thinking about this, and I've got a few um, contenders. I think you could pick a number of them from the Missouri game. Um, you know, the touchdown to Zay that in overtime, the Pat Garro run, the Brandon Sebastian interception. Um, I think the one I'll go with, oh yeah, here, this is it. Um, I'm going to pick the, the throw that was intercepted uh, in the Virginia tech game that Phil Jerkovic came down, forced a fumble that Jalen Gill recovered. Um, and again, it wasn't a scoring play, but it was just a crazy play, you know, for Phil on his first game back to, you know, sprint down the field, force a fumble on an interception that he threw. And I think that really energized BC that night in the game. They, got back on the winning side of things. So I'll pick that one just because it was just a fun play that, you know, you rarely see. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good one. There was a lot about that Virginia tech. And we'll get into that. Cause I, I have a, a second category. I'm going to ask you that I, I'm going to surprise you with in a second, um, but I'm going to go with the Mizzou game and I'm going to go with Brandon Sebastian's interception mm-hmm. in, in overtime uh, because you know, it gets into where my, my, my the next segment's going to be, but that was, absolutely the most electric I've seen alumni stadium in years. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's Mizzou, but they ended up being a bowl team as an sec squad. So that's okay. Um, it was, it was the end of one of the most crazy BC games I've ever seen. Um, and it, it was the perfect end. And, and you remember right after that, that was when Halfley went on the field and he was crying and it was a big moment. So I had to go with Brandon Sebastian's interception, but there were so many from that game that that was the one that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was that kind of like, if that was like a bowl game, like that kind of, you know, reminisced me of like, uh, the music city bowl between Purdue and Tennessee this year, even the Rose bowl the other night, which was awesome. Uh, yep. you know, just scoring back and forth, which was a, a crazy. So, but yeah, that's definitely a great moment. I spent. I have to say I had my parents visiting me this weekend to see the grandkids and we spent all of new year's watching bowl games. And that's how it's I, meant to be. It was awesome. My dad got into it and I got, when Matt Carell went down, I, you know, got to yell at him about 
uh, <laughs> both players opting out, but that's a whole other story. Um, so back to that. So that was, you know, obviously there was a lot of moments in the New Year's game, but my, my I'll, I'm going to answer this one first. And I'll, cause I'm going to give Mitch a chance to think about this. Cause I didn't ask him this one. What was your moment of 2021 for BC football? And my moment for me was the fans returning back to alumni stadium. I got to go to three games this year. It was tough for me with other things to, to actually go live. And I got to go to that Colgate game and to go there and the NC state game was even crazier to be back on campus and to see fans out there tailgating, going to the game, being crazy and, and just enjoying themselves with other people after what happened in 2020 was amazing. And for me, that is the moment of the, of the year for me was the return of fans. Yeah, I think that's a good one. And that, you know, that kind of encompasses the whole season, but I would definitely agree with you. And I, that was a big reason why I was willing to forgive the field storm against Missouri. And I think that you kind of just give a blank, a carte blanche uh, pass to everybody storming fields this season. Cause it's like the fans are back. So everybody's emotional about it. You know, I think five thirty eight kind of did, I think this was kind of tongue cheek. They like made like an index or predictor for when storming the field is okay, which I thought was kind of funny. And of course beat the BC game didn't qualify, but I think the fans being back kind of throws it all out the window. But anyways, for my moment, I'm glad you picked that one because it gives me my moment. I think it's gotta be the, um, the Jason bomb in, uh, directed smoke screen campaign for Phil Dracovic returning against Virginia tech. Um, you know, and then putting up the Jordan I'm back thing when Phil's back for that game. So I think, and, you know, that was a moment where BC Twitter was, you know, a blaze people was like, Oh, like, and then they posted the Jersey and it's like, Oh, his pads aren't there. Like he might play and you know, people are going back and forth. And then it finally comes out that he is playing. Uh, I think that's gotta be the moment of the year for BC. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot in, in a six and six season, there was a lot of big moments. And mm-hmm. even after the season, having Jakovic and say, saying they're coming back, um, I think th- there was a lot of good stuff to talk about there. And, and then there was that black hole of October where it just felt like every game <laughs> yeah. felt like exactly the same. All right. So let's get to our MVPs. Mitch, we'll start with the defense. Who is your defensive MVP? Uh, this one's pretty easy. It's Josh DeBerry. Um, and, you know, when I, when I, ta- when I talk about MVPs, especially when you're using that specific term, if there's a point where they miss some time, uh, I think that is valuable to look at because it's, you can see like, Oh, like how does the defense perform without them? And, you know, this was kind of the argument when Peyton Manning missed a whole season back in uh, 2011 or 2012. And they were like, Oh, like he should be MVP because the Colts are absolutely terrible. And I think that that is, it's not necessarily in the spirit of the award, but I think if there's a small point of the season they miss when you can see like how their absence really does impact the defense, I think that is important. And you saw how poorly this defense played when he was out of the line at the last few games. Um, you know, as a, in both run defense and in pass coverage, just because he is such a good defender in both of those aspects of the game that it limits what you can do as a defense. And he was making plays all over the field for the most, for the most part of the season. Um, you know, he had a big sack against Virginia tech, a lot of tackles for loss, uh, two interceptions, uh, you know, so, I mean, he's just an awesome player and I'm really glad he's coming back this season or this upcoming season. And I, I'm not sure if they're going to move him back outside so that he can be there like true number one corner, if they're going to keep him in the nickel, but I just know that, you know, wherever he is, he's going to make plays. So that's why he's my defensive MVP. All right. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you there. And that, that, that's an easy one for me because I, I, if you, if you go back and listen to some of my other stuff, Jabari was my Pat Garwo from a couple of years ago, because I, he was just an, a relative unknown that became bigger every year that he's played in. He has become to me, one of the best defensive backs I've seen at Boston college. And as you said, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with him. He was so successful in the slot, but 
uh, you know, against a really good ACC Atlantic next year, that's going to have some dynamic pass offenses. Are they going to line him up, you know, on the edge against some of these good wide receivers that he's going to face and try to do it there? Or are they going to do it with Elijah Jones, CJ Burton, you know, move CJ Burton to the slot. There's a million different things. And I think Halfley will have, you know, we're starting to see where the depth comes in because he can do some things with that. So um, I, I, Josh DeBerry was easily my number one for that. I'll, I'll also say this, uh, you know, you mentioned eating crow about Pat Garwell. I'll eat some as well. I thought Mike Palmer had a very good season in his final year at Boston college. Now he was kind of down on the depth chart because they, you know, originally had Dion Jones, then they moved Jason Matry. Uh, but then when he came in towards the end of the season, once Matry went down, you no, know, I think he had a very good season. He was BC's second highest ranked defender on PFF, according to their overall grades. Um, didn't have those issues missing tackles when coming down to fit the run um, solid coverage defender. So I'll eat some crow there. I, I maintain my position about him being drafted, but I thought he had a very good season. Yeah. Yeah. I, and he's a, you know, he's an, again, another big locker room presence too. So you like to mm-hmm. see him do well. I mean, you know, if, whether you like his style or not, I know he's very well respected in that locker room. So mm-hmm. um, it was good to see him go up uh, uh, the way he did. Um, all right. Offensive MVP. I'm, I'm dying to hear who you pick Mitch. Uh, so, okay. So I, for, for, uh, I have best offensive player. That's what I did, but for this one, I'll still, I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll say Zion Johnson, um, because he was just the best player on this offense from, you know, the first snap to the final snap and he, he was consistent, you know, I, yeah. And that's kind of what we expected from him. Uh, you know, he was, even though he's moving back inside to guard, which, you know, he's more comfortable there. He did have to play a game at tackle against Virginia tech where he was still awesome, um, you know, he's probably, he could be a first round pick this upcoming season. Uh, the NFL doesn't really value guards that highly. So we'll have to see about that, but he only gave up one sack, six, pre- six total pressures on 777 snaps, which is an awesome rate. Um, you know, rarely just, he just doesn't get beaten pass protection almost ever a road grader against the run. Um, just really unlocked what this, you know, this offense did struggle. I'll, I'll agree to that, but you know, I think if he wasn't there, this offense wouldn't have been able to do anything. All right. So instead of having me just talk about how much I agree with you there, I'm going to ask you another question. And this is just going completely off topic with another another category. And you may you may say Mike Palmer for this, but who was your most improved player on BC? Um, I'll, uh, I'm going to stick with the offensive line. I'll say it was Christian Mahogany. And it's not you know, it's not that he was terrible last year. You know, he was solid. And, you know, the rest of the offensive line was pretty decent last year as well. Zion was great. But I mean, Mahogany was just as if not probably better than Johnson this, this year. And again, switching positions, the other guard, it's not a big of a change, but he also only allowed one sack and allowed one more pressure. Um, only had one penalty as well, but yeah, I mean, he was awesome. Uh, another road grader for the run game, which again was super important. Uh, and he progresses pass blocker, which is great to see. And, you know, I think he's now he's going to be kind of the elder statesman on this offensive line, along with Tyler Vrabel. But, you know, when the offensive, some of the offensive linemen were struggling, you know, he looked every bit the part that he, like he had been there for years. And I was really impressed by how he took his game to another level this season. And I have to, I, I, again, Mitch and I must be on the same way, like, cause I was, just, <laughs> I was gonna pick, but I, I'll add a little piece to that. I, if you follow me on Twitter, you got to see what Christian said to me, which I loved Christian, Christian uh, tweets back at me a lot. Um, and I had said, uh, what did I put up that he was going to be one of the best guards in the ACC next year. And he wrote, um, uh, ha- um, asterisk in the in college football. <laughs> I'll I'll give another one. Um, I thought Joey Lucchetti was really good. Yeah. You know, oh, he, Jesus. He had, <laughs> sorry, I was trying. Sorry, but he you know switching positions, missing a season. Uh, 
you know, originally tight end went to defensive end, came back. You know, he was a really solid blocker in the run and the pass game. And, you know, it once Trey Barry went down, he was kind of the number one tight end. And, you know, he's not the athletic marvel that Trey Barry is or, you know, just kind of a natural receiver that like a Hunter Long was. But, you know, very serviceable, you know, as long as you're not asking him to do, you know, Travis Kelsey like stuff, you know, he can be a very competent player there. So uh, I'll sorry to steal another one for you. All right, Mitch, that was, I, I, instead of having us agree on everything, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Uh, we're kind of putting out our grades for each of the position groups so far. And uh, I think this will be kind of an interesting conversation to evaluate where BC stands, you know, evaluate how, how they perform this season, you know, talk about how a lot of things interplay with each other and then, you know, talk about how they're going to change in the upcoming season. Um, we're kind of going through the offense right now, which obviously had a lot of issues, but, you know, we'll get through that and then go on to the defense, which again, another interesting position or an interesting side of the ball to evaluate because there were kind of uh, some inconsistencies, inconsistencies there as well. So uh, make sure you're checking out the site for that stuff. All right. In a moment, we're going to get into all the news from today. This is it the putt to win the tournament if you sink it the championship is yours but on your backswing your hat falls over your eyes is this how you're running your business poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software to see the full picture you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials inventory HR planning budgeting and more NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place and with NetSuite you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com locked. Head to netsuite.com locked for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Again, that's netsuite.com locked. This is Locked on Boston College, AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Mitch uh, will be back again with us next week to talk more about BC football. For the news today, I've got a few little quick items, and then I want to get into just a quick topic before the end of the show. First of all, women's hockey was supposed to have a game on Monday against Providence. That game has been postponed due to COVID, uh, a COVID outbreak, so we'll hopefully get that game in soon. And women's basketball, I know some of you like to get updates on that. Maria Gakdang of um, Maryland was named the ACC Freshman of the Week. She is a a dynamic defensive player for BC. She leads the ACC among freshmen in blocks and blocks per games. And she's one of six players in the league and the only freshman to block at least three shots in three different games. Uh, So congratulations to her. Now, the other piece of news, it's it's quiet because we're in between bowl season and I mean, I don't know how much more you want to talk about the UNC blowout, but um, I know looking at the ratings, most of you guys really don't want to talk about that. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was a little rumor I saw a couple of weeks ago started by a Rutgers beat reporter as a potential uh, defensive coordinator for their school, which was Tim Lokabu. And they said, oh, you know, Rutgers could get him because Greg Schiano has a relationship with Tim. They coach together at Rutgers. He knows him, blah, blah, blah. I mean... Do you really think I'm not I'm not naive to think that coaches are going to leave BC, but I don't think a coach is going to I've always said this before. If it's a lateral move, I don't see many of these coaches making that move. Like I feel like from the conversations I've had, unless there's some behind the scenes chaos that I'm hearing about and you'd see more coaches leaving if there actually was. 
I don't think these coaches are just going to leave for a lateral move. And no knock on Rutgers, but they're kind of a step down from BC. And I know they're heading in the right direction, but I just don't see that. It doesn't make sense to me. Like if, if a school like even, even some of the better ACC schools, like a Virginia Tech or an NC State or um, Pitt, or, you know, some of the better schools that have more money or more resources. Pitt's not a good choice, but Florida State. If one of these schools offered him a job, I would say, okay, that makes sense. But Rutgers, I don't think so. I think the, I think the, the Rutgers uh, beats are a little bit off track there. Uh, that kind of goes in, in line with um, some of the other things I read. I read on 247 the other day. Uh, they had their list of potential defensive coordinators. And this goes in kind of a different direction. They had Azar Abdul-Rahim as the bottom of their list as a guy that they could get. A, he's a a DMV recruiter, and Oklahoma State does not do much over there. B, they're a bigger program. They're not going to go for a guy whose last job as defensive coordinator was at UMass. And C, you know, he really hasn't done much to get that kind of um, accolades. So I just don't see that make, that doesn't make sense. That's why I haven't seen a coaching change that I'm like, uh, Hmm. And that's why I, I think unless something changes, I think that all these coaches will probably be back for another year. It's when you see the team starts to get more successful at six and five and six and six, you know, rightfully so they don't get the, the, they're not that popular. They're not that like what much sought after. And I think that makes sense. So I'm, I'm expecting this whole coaching staff probably to re- return in 2021. Now, on tomorrow's show, we're going to continue our conversation about BC football in this 2021 season. I'm going to dive into some topics you're not going to want to miss. This is AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. If you have not done so already, make sure to follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. Look for us on Facebook at Locked On. I sorry on Twitter at Locked On BC. On Facebook, it's BC Bulletin. You can find us and all my work there. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Take care, everyone.